Psalm 14, as we read from God's holy word this morning. Short psalm, but an important psalm. Psalm 14, let's all stand as we read this before our Lord this morning. Psalm 14. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge? Who eat up my people as they eat bread, and call not upon the Lord. There were they in great fear, for God is in the generation of the righteous. Ye have shamed the counsel of the poor, because the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that the salvation of Israel were come out of Zion. When the Lord bringeth back the captivity of his people... Jacob shall rejoice, and Israel shall be glad. Amen Amen. and amen. You may be seated. Psalm 14, at least in my Bible, has an appropriate title to it. Underneath the psalm, the general corruption of mankind is how it's described there. In verse 1, we see the thought and the nature of the wicked. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And if we look in our world today, we see this all too evident, don't we? We see people who live lives totally devoid of the fact that there's a righteous God in heaven. They act as if there's no tomorrow, that whatever they want, whatever they can get away with, that's all that matters. They don't acknowledge the fact that there's a God who is going to judge them one day. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The next two verses show God's view of mankind. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. You know, when we talk about the subject of predestination and election, there's some people, well, they have to acknowledge that it's there unless you want to write out the book of Ephesians, who we read this morning. But they'll try to say that, well, you know, when it talks about the foreknowledge of God, all predestination is based on the foreknowledge of God. And that foreknowledge is God looked down to the quarters of history. He looked to see who would, if given a chance, would believe on him. Who wanted to have a Savior like Jesus Christ to save them from their sins. That's how predestination is based on God's foreknowledge of man's belief. Of man's activity. Well, that's about half right. The first half is true. God did look down. God did see. But here is what he saw. They are all gone aside. Verse 3. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. 
Even before that, verse one, the way it ended, there is none that doeth good. God did look down. God did make a determination. And that is that absolutely not one human being wanted him. We all rejected him. And notice here, it says in verse three, they are all together become filthy. Brethren, at what time did we all sit down and make a choice? We made a choice in our father, Adam. The Bible very plainly teaches in the book of Romans that God chose one man to represent the entire human race. He made a perfect man. In case there's somebody who wants to carp on that choice of God, God made a perfect man without sin and placed in him the capability of choosing to obey God and have his blessing. Or to disobey God and to have his curse, not just on himself, but on himself and all of his descendants. And he made a choice. In Adam, we all chose to disobey God. We all chose to thumb our nose at the most holy God of the universe. Verse four shows us the folly of the wicked in their actions. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread? And call not upon the Lord. Notice both aspects of it. They persecute. They go against the righteous. Who God has made a difference in their life. That's why they're righteous. But they oppose them and persecute them. And they have. They don't call on God. When they get in trouble. They look to their own means. They look to their own strength. They look to anything they can find to get them out of trouble. Except the God of heaven. Verse 5, here we see the fear of the wicked contrasted with the safety of the righteous. There were they in great fear. For God is in the generation of the righteous. And if you wonder, well, Newell, how can you make that distinction? Well, first of all, notice it's making a distinction there. But also, if you go to the parallel psalm to this, Psalm 53, it expands this section a little more and points out that the wicked are in great fear when they get in trouble. As opposed to the righteous who have the Lord to trust in. We have confidence, brethren, in the Lord. That he will deliver us. And he will take care of us. But the wicked, rejecting any knowledge of God in their life. Not wanting this man to reign over us. Speaking of Jesus Christ. They're left to their own devices. Which are nothing. They have no help. They have no safety. And they are in great fear. When, when they are in trouble. Verse 6 shows the further condemnation of the wicked. You've shamed the counsel of the poor because the Lord is his refuge. One of the most emphasized things in the book of Proverbs is how God looks down on the poor and the needy and he personally takes their part. A righteous man sees that. And a righteous man tries to do good to all men, right? Especially to the poor and the needy. To the widow. And to the orphan. I mean, that's a tenement of our religion, right? To do good to those who don't have. But the wicked? Not them. They could care less. They're just more sheep to feed on, is the way they look at it. And then finally, verse 7. Here we see the call for God to show himself in deliverance of his people. Oh, that the salvation of Israel were come out of Zion. Do you ever feel that way, brethren? 
When you see the wickedness in this world, I think that's often the cry of our hearts, isn't it? That we will, Lord, come show yourself sooner. When the Lord bringeth back the captivity of his people, Jacob shall rejoice and Israel shall be glad. And brethren, we all know there's a great day coming in which God will reveal himself from heaven. In which we will see the fulfillment of his judgment on this world. When all things will be made right. And that will be such a glorious day to look forward to. But for our purposes this morning, verses 2 and 3 are what we want to consider particularly and think about. The fact that God did look down. God did look at the state of mankind. God did look at the state of men's hearts. And what he found was not a pretty picture. What he found was rebellion, disobedience, and wickedness. So that when the Lord looked down from heaven on the children of men to see if there were any that did understand or seek after him, he found that they were all going to side. That all together they'd become filthy. There was none that did good, no, not one. This is quoted by Paul over in Romans chapter 3 in that great section of Romans where he takes Jews and Gentiles both and says, doesn't matter whether you're a Jew who had the law of God or you're a Gentile who didn't. We're all guilty before a holy God. And brethren, that's what we need to consider this morning. We need to keep these things in mind when we look at the great salvation that God has accomplished for us. None of us were looking for him. He had to come after us and praise his holy name. Doesn't that just magnify Jesus Christ and the salvation that he has for us? He didn't come looking for people who wanted him. He came for people who didn't want him. So that every one of us, brethren, on that great day of judgment, when the Lord puts us on his right hand, (laughs) I mean... It's going to be a glorious day, brethren, because we'll be able to see and fully realize, because the sin will no longer be in us, that we deserve to be in that same cauldron of hell that all the unrighteous are going to be in. We deserve to be there. We've never done one thing worthy of plucking us out of that. It's only by his sheer grace, his love that he placed upon us, that we will be experiencing the joys and blessing of heaven for all eternity. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word this morning.